Welcome to the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow. Hey, friends, welcome back to another week of the Switch Leader Podcast. I about lost my voice there. I just, I was talking and then I couldn't <laughs> talk anymore. And, but I'm back. It's all right. So, th- welcome back to another week. My name is Josh Baldwin. I'll be your host. I'm here with my friend who I just always am. If you guys know, I'm always super nice to James. And so that will not change today. <laughs> My kindness with him will continue as it always has been. It was never any different than that because I love him. James Meehan, everyone. Wow. Josh Baldwin, what I love so much about you is that in your pursuit of Christ-likeness, <laughs> your voice did what Jesus did. He wow. went away for a little bit, three days in the tomb before coming back better than ever, resurrected. Mm-hmm. New creation came with him and, and your voice took a little stint in the tomb before it reappeared <laughs> to announce good news to all of us. Wow. That's what, what happened. A, this is going to be a good podcast. That's what that little skip was right there in my voice. I didn't even realize. <laughs> I didn't see the spiritual in it the way that right. you did. So, Because it's really just good. like breathing to you. You don't even right. notice it. It's so natural. Right. Yeah. Hey, so guys, we actually are going to talk about a topic. I promise. Like we are. That is what's coming <laughs> next. So sometimes you have to get that first part out of the way and then you get to the kind of the meat of the conversation. And so we're headed into the meat of the conversation, which is God's creative discipleship. And so I just, you know, great title. And I know it's a great title because I titled it. Okay. So it's a really, (laughs) I get it's a solid title, but I also understand that you could be like, but just what exactly does this entail? Like, where could we be going here? I'm excited to get to hear James speak into it a little bit and maybe some of the ways that he got to experience God disciple him over the years. And I want to talk to us about the idea that God is discipling our students, that along the way, as they are experiencing life and as they're going through all the different things that they're going through, he's walking with them all along the way. James, I'm going to set us up with a quote who I put as unknown because I cannot remember who I heard say this. So I feel really bad. It was a really long time ago. So if you know who this person is, feel free to say. But this was the quote. It says, you have to allow God to be as creative with you. No, I'm going to do that again. Okay. Because I read it wrong. You have to allow God to be as creative with others as he was when he was discipling you. Come on. You have to allow God to be as creative with others as he was when he was discipling you. I think that's such a great concept, such a great quote. And it's one that I've gone back to over and over and over to remember that God's working through and in all of us in different ways. So, James, I'd love if you would tell us what you view as the most surprising way that God has reached you when you were still distracted by just life, distracted by worldly living. And this, this could be since you've found a relationship with Jesus and you just, you know, we all get distracted or it could be prior to your relationship with Jesus and around that time that that he just grabbed a hold of you. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that is interesting here is just even within this overarching subject, God's creative discipleship, God is unbelievably creative. As a matter of fact, he is the creator and what he wants for us is to become the kind of people who love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourself. That's what discipleship is. That's what we talk about when we talk about discipleship. And when I think about the way that God has creatively reached me and discipled me, I think back to when I was in maybe the fourth grade, 
I was a really avid reader. Like I've always been into like fiction, fantasy, all that stuff. It was maybe in the fourth or fifth grade that I got a picture Bible, which is like the not as cool action Bible. If you're familiar with the action Bible, it's like the comic (laughs) book one that's got like comic book artist imagery. Well, the picture Bible is the less cool one. It's still a comic book. It's still good art, but it's not like superhero visuals. But I started reading that as a fourth or fifth grader when my family was going to church regularly, but not with any real sincere pursuit of Jesus, because that's just how we lived. We went to church because we were supposed to, but not because it really meant something to us. But I got this book and I started reading it. And because it was written like a comic book, I really enjoyed it. And it was way back then as like a nine and 10 year old that I was introduced to a way of understanding the Bible as an overarching story with real people who were involved in real events that were directed by God's power. And like that right there is really important because it has shaped so much of how I connect with God today is looking at the big picture, the overarching story of what God is doing, what he's done in the past and what he will do in the future. So that's like a a fun little example that as a nine and 10 year old didn't think about. Then if I fast forward a little bit to when I was in high school, at this point, I'm not a Christian. I don't believe in God. I'm trying not to go to church as much as I can. Right. But I started training Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I started doing Muay Thai, mixed martial arts, all of these other things. And it was that activity, those sports that actually kept me out of so much of the drinking and smoking and partying that so many of my friends were doing because I had this fun activity that I knew if I wanted to be really good at jujitsu, if I show up to practice on Saturday morning hungover, I'm going to get whooped. If Mm -hmm. I want to be good at this thing, I've got to eat healthy. I got to go to bed on time. Like I have to begin to put disciplines in my life. They're going to move me in the direction of my goal of being a professional UFC fighter. And so I actually learned to discipline through God, putting different people in my life, bringing me to this gym and that becoming my passion throughout high school. And then another really creative way that God reached me was through my stomach because as a 19 year old working as a assistant manager at a frozen custard shop, my older sister decided she wanted to serve and switch, but she didn't want to go alone. So she asked me to go with her. And I said, no, thank you. Then she said, (laughs) if you come with me, I will buy you Chipotle. And at this point, like I was a late uh, adopter of the brilliance of Chipotle. And so I was currently obsessed with it. Like I was in the honeymoon phase with Chipotle. And so I'm like, (laughs) deal. I show up to this church event to support you as my sister and you buy me a $10 burrito. I'm in. (laughs) And so that's what happened. I showed up to switch. Like, going through the onboarding process, orientation, not as a Christian, because my sister bribed me with Chipotle. And God is so creative that he led the youth pastor of that switch all those years ago to not ask me the question, if I'm a Christian. And so I made it through the process and I was given a name tag as a switch leader. (laughs) God was incredibly creative to bring me to there. Then the next week, I didn't want to go back, but my sister offered Chipotle one more time. And so I went back and it was that second night as a non-believing switch leader. Don't worry. I did have an approved background check. I did have that. It's good. But as a non-believing switch leader, 
that's when I started to think for the first time ever, oh, I have value to add to these younger guys. There's some things I've learned that I can actually share with them that are just helpful. And it was that night when the youth pastor came up to me and said, hey, I'd really like to mentor you because I think you have a gift for connecting with young men. And I had never thought I had any gifts other than jujitsu and fighting. And so I was like, okay, cool. I've never had a mentor. Yeah, let's talk more. And that was what actually brought me to the place where the following weekend would have been February 1st, 2014. So almost exactly a decade ago that I sat in church, gave my life to Christ and said, yes, Jesus, I want to go all in because I'm starting to see that maybe just maybe this gospel I grew up hearing about actually is good news. Man, that is so awesome. I think about the way that things could have been gone differently along the way. And like you were saying, how creative he had to be, you know, if, if, (laughs) if we had been as strict as we are now, right? Like, and and we're glad that we are. Okay. (laughs) Just to be clear, we're glad that we ask those questions and that we have, you know, training classes and, and orientation classes. But if, if we did at the time, things may have gone different. For instance, you may have become a UFC fighter instead. In, in which case, I would have paid more money to watch fights just to see you get punched in the face. And so, you know how... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but truly, when I hear your story, and I've heard your story before, James, it is, it is just genuinely such an incredible orchestration of small event after small event after small event leading to a big event and that you accepted a relationship with Jesus and your life has been radically changed. And now to this day, and I was actually thinking about this, my sons and switch was talking to me about, you know, your, the message you did being great last night. And I was thinking, because he mentioned, he said, did you know that, that James didn't even start believing in God until about 10 years ago? And I said, yeah, I knew that. And he said, that's crazy, isn't it? And I said, yeah, bub, that's, that's pretty crazy. God, God does some crazy stuff in people's lives, transforms people's lives. But it made me think, you know, you are one of the most studious, like most genuine students of scripture that I know. And also not just scripture, but like you're, you're, you're a student of leadership. You're a student of, you're a student of Christian leadership. You're a student of Jesus leadership. And you've been that way for as long as I've known you. And sometimes you're such a student that it gets on my nerves, but most of the time, (laughs) most of the time you're such a student that it's inspiring because I can look and go, man, who would have thought? It makes me even think about like your family to look back and go, man, who would have thought that this kid, like that, or even your sister to look back and be like, who would have thought (laughs) that my 19 year old brother who I was having to pay you know, in Chipotle burritos to get Amen. to go to church would would now be leading and developing content for the youth ministry at Life Church. And so I love, I just love how God pieces things together. And a lot of times we're like, man, I didn't see that coming. And it's because there were so many steps involved. You never could have seen the 100 steps ahead right. that it would have taken to see the outcome. And the cool thing is that you're still taking steps as we all are and you know, who, who knows what's next in our lives? Who knows what God's doing next? So, okay, we'll switch gears a little bit as a youth pastor or as a small group leader, because you're both. Tell me like maybe an example of a time that a student really, really frustrated you 
with some <laughs> core decisions. Yeah, yeah. I think what's really great about this question specifically is the uh, mistake that many of us can make is assume that students should be where we are now, or they should right. be where we were when we were their age. So for example, right. like if you were really mature, responsible, involved in the church when you were a teenager, sometimes it can be really hard to empathize with the teenagers you're trying to reach because your experience was so different from theirs. Or yeah. if you're somebody who maybe didn't have that background, but now you have grown tremendously in your maturity and your responsibility, it can be hard to remember what it was like to be a teenager who is, you know, just trying to figure this stuff out. And so I think mm -hmm. like it's it's important to acknowledge that teenagers do teenager things and teenager things aren't always smart things. As a matter of <laughs> yes. fact, often they are dumb things. Amen. So incredibly recently, this past week at Switch, there's a guy who was a part of my small group before he moved to a different uh, small group who as we're doing our post huddle at the end of the night, leaders and some of our capacity students are gathered up. We're telling stories of how God moved that night. He does this over-exaggerated walk. Like he's, you know, got all the swagger in the world as a eighth grade boy. <laughs> and then he comes up behind one of the student leaders in the circle. And every time we clap to celebrate whatever the cool thing is that God did in the life of a student that night, he just starts clapping extra loud and way longer than everybody else right in the ears of the student leader. Mm, and I'm my favorite thing. And, I, and I'm seeing this happen and I'm like, okay, I'm going to see how long he keeps this up. If he keeps it up, I'll talk to him. And of course he didn't stop. He just kept going because what he was looking for was attention. And so I broke off from the rest of the group, pulled him and his two buddies aside. And I just had a conversation with them. And the thing about this guy is he's a guy that I have celebrated because of some of the incredible things that God has done in his life. Like he was really consistent as a sixth grader, stopped showing up as a seventh grader, but as an eighth grader came back and his and he's been back every single week since like September, hasn't missed. And it's awesome. been incredible to see that. And yet he's still doing dumb things. And yeah. so I could very easily just get annoyed that his spiritual trajectory isn't always up and to the right. Or... I could acknowledge that none of ours is. It's a freaking roller coaster. There's ups, there's downs, there's steps forward, there's steps back because following Jesus is a journey where we will get punched in the face and we will kick ourselves in the teeth because of some of the things that we do. And so I say that as like one really specific example that's just at the top of my mind because it just happened. Right. I love that it just happened. So the next question you you kind of led into, but I'd love if you want, you can elaborate. I had how has your spiritual journey, so all the stuff that you described that you went through, how has it helped you be patient with the spiritual journey of your students? And yeah. so it's some of what you just said. You you kind of set it up even at the beginning. You you were describing, hey, like some of us may have grown up in the church, in a good family, making pretty good decisions. And so we don't understand why other students aren't doing the same because we look and we're like, hey, I know it's possible, right? And then on the flip side, others may be like, no, I made, I made all the bad decisions. And then I grew up and now I'm making better ones. And I want you to make better ones so bad that 
all I see is all I see is the bad that you're doing. Like I can't see anything else because I'm seeing you do bad. And I know that it's a bad outcome and I want you to stop doing that because I've been there. And so then I just spend all my energy trying to get you to go a different direction. Yeah. When in truth, my going that direction in the first place is a part of the path that got me to where I am today. Yeah. And it's not that we want kids to make mistakes. It's just that right. we all have, we all have a path. Like we're going right. to make our own decisions. It's free will is a real thing. And so right. do you feel like there are certain parts of your story that you're able to like go back to that make you go, all right, James, take a breather. Like I'm yep. able to just calm down and go, you've been that kid. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I very much was in middle school, particularly, and some in high school, the kid who was so insecure that I had to overcompensate. And so I had to be the class clown. I had to be the toughest, like the fighter. Like that was, that was the identity I created for myself is I don't care what people think. And if they make a fuss, I'm going to fight them. Like, and, and here's the thing, I'm going to win. Like I'm going to win. I've trained, I've done this stuff. I know how it's going to go down. And so I had that identity as a teenager because I didn't know my identity in Christ. And so many of my poor decisions were born out of a misunderstanding of who I am and who God's created me to be. It wasn't until I began to see myself the way God sees me and start to accept the ridiculous, unconditional grace that he has for me, that my identity started to shift from dude who has to fight to someone loved by Jesus. And and, and that that thing right there, that recognition of, oh yeah, these students are acting out of who they believe they are. Like they are just acting out the script that they believe they've been given. They are playing the character that they are convinced they are in this narrative that we call life. And until we can help them see who they really are, until we can show them that actually God has a much better plan then of course they're going to do ridiculously stupid things. So I think about, you know, I shared some of those different examples about how God has been so creative in his discipleship of me. I think about how patient God has been with me. And if God is willing to be that patient with me, then my goodness gracious, why wouldn't I strive to the best of my ability to be patient with others? I mentioned I got that Bible when I was like nine or 10. And I read it, you know, comic book Bible, cover to cover, probably like 10 times because it was just mm-hmm. like, you know, it's a quick read when it's a comic book Bible, but I didn't get saved for another 10 years later. And so like, I knew the Bible. Like I remember being in some Bible quizzes with kids who had grown up going to Christian school and crushing them because of how much I had read my comic book Bible. Cause I just, uh-huh. I just knew this stuff. Cause I just read it so right. many times, but yep. they were all Christians who believed in Jesus and were trying to follow Jesus. I wasn't. I was just a, you know, a little bit nerdy. And so I say all that to say, that's a really helpful reminder for me that, okay, my journey took a long time, full of twists and turns, ups and downs, lots of stupid decisions. That was true for me and God never stopped working. Okay, Mm -hmm. great. That's probably going to be true for a lot of students too. And then moving past the, before I became a Christian to now as a follower of Jesus, I've been following Jesus for 10 years and I still sin. I'm not fully sanctified. Mm-hmm. So why do I get so upset when students aren't fully sanctified? 
Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think, you know, it's, it's like, it sounds kind of obvious, but it is those reminders of some of the basics that are super helpful for me. Teenagers are people too, and people suck. <laughs> but thank God <laughs> that the grace of Jesus is available for all of us. And just to be clear, I'm a person too. I do stupid uh-huh. things, no question. And I'm trying day by day by day by day to let the grace of God change me from the inside out. So I do less stupid things and more good things. That's so good. One of my favorite authors and pastors, Tim Keller, he says, the gospel is this, we are more sinful than flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Mm, We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. And at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. And that gives me so much hope for myself because like the same thing you just said, James, I am not fully sanctified. I, I am still a sinner. I'm still messed up. And it gives me so much hope for our students who are not fully sanctified, who are still sinners, who are still broken and messed up and are on their own path and are kind of just getting there. (laughs) And so James on the, the last question, and we'll kind of, we'll wrap this episode up. What do you see as some common traps? And these might be like some spiritual traps or some mental traps, some personal, I don't know, pride traps that we find ourselves in as adults or as leaders that keep us from trusting God's journey for our students more than we trust our own journey for them. This could apply to you as a switch leader with switch students, or it could apply to you as a parent with kids. Yep. Yeah. I think the thing that's really important to hear on this is the thing that is most difficult for us to actually wrap our minds around is how patient God is. Like that, like, like when you actually right. wrestle with all of the big questions people have about the Bible, it almost always comes back to how patient God is. And God is far more patient than we want him to be. Now, we really like it when God is patient with us, but we, we don't often like it when God is patient with others. Like we want him to swoop in and fix it real quick. But God is a good father. And he knows that if he shows up every time we make a mess and cleans it up for us, that we will never actually grow into the kind of people who can clean up our own messes. Now, obviously, he's always going to help. He's always going to be available. He's given the spirit to help us do all of that. But God is a really good father who is far more patient with us and others than we can really understand. I think that's a really important thing. The second thing is, is that we are way more prideful and arrogant than Mm -hmm. we ever want to admit. And so we will constantly have to battle with the fact that we are going to think that how we want a student's journey to play out is better than how God has chosen to orchestrate that student's journey. And it's like that right there, if we can submit our pride to God's patience, then that to me ends up being the thing that settles everything else. And so really practical encouragement for you is remember Romans 2.6, it is God's kindness that is meant to lead us to repentance. God's kindness is what leads us to repentance. God is so patient and so kind because he knows that it is his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his mercy that actually draws us to him. And so if we want to bring students to Jesus as quickly as possible, 
the best way to do that is actually the way that God has done it, to be more patient than we ever want to be. And I think that right there is the thing that's going to help us avoid the traps because the traps almost always pop up when we try to rush something that God is okay with taking slowly. And then I just want to remind you, I think one of the, another trap that we find ourselves in is we, because we talk a lot about doing life together and we talk a lot about you partnering with other switch leaders and your friends and like, what are we doing to build our own community and then also to show community to these students? I want to say this though, as well, when, when we're talking about, Hey, I am a disciple of these students. I'm discipling them to know and love Jesus. So the title of this message was God's creative discipleship. And I hope that what it will do is be a reminder to you that you are not just discipling students to Jesus alongside other leaders. You are actually discipling students to Jesus alongside Jesus. So Mm, you're not doing this thing by yourself. It's not like God just said, hey, I need you to go figure this out. I will have no involvement. Hope you can get them here in time, right? Like that was not his strategy or his plan. He is, he is actively involved in our lives for a reason. And so just like we ask you to be partnering with parents to lead and love these students, I want to remind you that you are supposed to be partnering with Christ to lead and love these students into heaven, into Come a relationship on. with him. And so know that you're not on your own. You're doing a great job. If you're showing up every week and you're giving everything that you've got, you need to know that they are taking steps every single week, even if you can't tell that the steps are leading in the direction that you hope. I promise you, God's got a plan and it's better than yours and mine. Amen. We love you guys so much. We thank thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for making it a priority. Do not miss next week. Got a great episode coming with the Caitlin Caffrey. So make sure that you tune in for that one. And as always, thanks for joining us on the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow. Oh,